0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple: Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Today's Monday, June 13th, and I'm here in New Zealand with Gracie. We've been on the road for the last two weeks, and this is our last day before we fly home tomorrow. We're at a conference retreat center called Peacemakers, and we've had an amazing time speaking to different groups and. Um, you know, everywhere we go, we run into just the questions of just what are you doing and with really hard situations and really hard cases, you know, where we pray and we pray and we pray. And we sometimes see that things actually get worse. And um, often we're tempted to give up hope and we do give up hope. And, um, you know, we've been doing trainings for people interested in prayer ministry Um in New Zealand and in Australia and and a scripture that we keep returning to over and over again that's really fed us and supported us, encouraged us is Mark chapter 9 verses 14 and following. And uh, just prior to this text, which is about a father who brings his son who's tormented by demonic spirits to Jesus, um, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples and. He's at this spiritual high point in the Gospels, and there, you know, God um, reveals Jesus to be His Son, and but He's there with uh, Moses and Elijah, and they all appear, and we see that Peter, you know, he he sees Jesus, Moses, and Elijah um, as on equal footing, and of course, Moses represents the the Pentateuch, the Torah, you know, the first five books of the of the Bible, and then Elijah represents the prophets, and so these are sort of the Bible uh, representatives of Scripture, of Holy Scripture, and and so Peter sees the three as sort of equal. He says, "Let's, you know, let's make a, you know, a tent for each of them." And anyway, that's when the whole, the cloud forms and overshadows them, and a voice comes out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And so Jesus is forefronted and and then he orders them, don't tell anyone about what you've seen until the son of man rises from the dead. And, and so anyway, they come down the mountain and beginning in verse 14, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Wow, do you ever see scribes, you know, teachers of Allah, law, the equivalents of, of those sorts of folks Theologians, you know, people in the church arguing with, you know, with Christians. Do Christians argue amongst one another in your experience? I think we, we see that all the time, don't we? Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and they began running up to greet him. So in contrast, Jesus, you know, is his presence draws everyone's attention and that's, that's good. And, uh, but Jesus asked them, what are you discussing with them? And what are you guys arguing about? And then um, verse seventeen, and one of the crowd answered him, "Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and grinds his teeth, and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. So, what does um, what happens when Jesus?" Ask them, "What are you discussing with them?" Well, we see that one of the crowd answered him, and, "Hey, look, uh, teacher, I brought, I brought, I brought you my son, and um, he had this severe problem uh, attributed to an evil spirit that makes him mute, and then he goes into this detailed description of of the kid and what he's gone, what he's going through every time the spirit seizes him." You know, and it's pretty severe. Like, so the guy's really reporting to Jesus the symptoms of his son. The spirit seizes him, slams him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens out. Do we see situations like this? Do we see people today who would, you know, sort of fit that description? You know, what are the equivalents of uh, this boy's condition in our day and age? You know, when I asked this question, you know, some people mentioned epileptics, you know, and others think of just people that are um, experiencing, you know, sort of uh, the effects of different substances, you know, drug addiction and alcoholism and, or mental health disorders. But what would you, what comes to mind for you? So, um, so the man, he's brought his son To the disciples of Jesus, to, you know, the, the trainees, the, the pupils of Jesus. And, um, and he's saying, look, they couldn't do it. Um, do you ever see that happen? Do you, have you ever brought a really hard situation, either that you yourselves are suffering from or someone who you love is suffering from? Have you ever brought someone to Jesus, Jesus' disciples or to the church and you, and you haven't, you haven't gotten any relief? Maybe things have even gotten worse. Or have, has someone ever brought someone to you? Or have you attempted to pray for someone who, um, your prayers just felt impotent and they, they fell flat and, and nothing happened? I certainly have can relate to both of those, um, both of those scenarios. You know, we've, we've had so many hard situations that we've, you know, we've brought to intercessors. We've brought to all the people we know who pray and, um, and we've seen, you know, that, things didn't improve you know um sometimes people in 4 stage cancer that we've known you know they've they've died despite all of our all of our prayers and into so many efforts at intercession and um you know and other conditions you know so many mental health conditions and situations where people are are really addicted in an extreme way and um and they overdose and they die and um you know we've tried to pray for so many people and and not seeing improvement. So many people now that we're praying for who are at large in our community. And, and we just long to see breakthrough. So, wow, this scripture already is so relevant to me. And what about you? And so let's just see how Jesus responds. So Jesus answered them, "O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring them to me. Wow. Jesus is not very pastoral here, is he? You know, he, um, he really gets down on, uh, on the people. But, um, one thing I find, I guess, encouraging if I was a disciple, which I am, I like that Jesus isn't putting on blast the disciples who couldn't do it, you know, who couldn't cast it out or couldn't bring healing to this young boy and bring relief to the father. Um, it's interesting that Jesus, uh puts on blast the whole generation. He's not um you know, he's not focusing on the father as the unbeliever or or the child or the disciples or um or that particular crowd but just everybody. He's saying this is a an issue of the whole generation that unbelief is ram- rampant. There's a pandemic of unbelief. Do we see this today? Do you, do we see that unbelief is on the rise? Um, you know, we've just gone through this COVID pandemic and, uh, you know, where where are we at faith-wise in the face of the pandemic? You know, where are we at faith-wise in the face of, of global warming, which seems to be being ignored at the moment in favor of f- f- focusing on other, you know, other crises? You know, where are you at in your faith? You know, Jesus um, emphasizes belief everywhere in Mark's gospel and throughout the gospels. And um, the first thing that Jesus says when he preaches in Galilee, in Mark chapter one, verse 15, is the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So um, repent literally means change your way of thinking. You know, um, think differently and believe, okay? like. Maybe think differently would mean, you know, like, look, don't doubt and just don't think of all the things you can do. Um, and pray at the, as a last resort, you know, um, step into active faith and choose to believe and, and as the high pri- as the highest priority, you know, be oriented towards faith. Um, the second time that Jesus, um, calls people to believe is, is actually later in Mark you know, prior to our text today, where uh, there's a synagogue official who has a daughter who's dying, and Jesus um, gets interrupted on his way to the synagogue official's house by a woman who has a blood flow. And then the girl, it's reported to the father, you know, your daughter has died, don't bother the teacher anymore. And Jesus says, um, don't be afraid, only believe. And, um, and then goes to the, you know, the synagogue official's house and raises up his dead daughter to life. And that's so beautiful, isn't it? And then at the end of Mark's gospel, we see that belief is forefronted as essential. You know, right at the very end, some of the last words um, of Jesus in Mark's gospel, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, "'Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The one who ha- who believes and has been baptized shall be saved but the one who has disbelieved shall be condemned. I mean, that's another scripture that's worth reflecting on in depth. But one thing that I understand um, here is that condemnation is sort of the state that we're all under right now. And so if we stay in unbelief, we're going to stay in that situation that we're in, you know, of, uh, of not seeing the kingdom. And so um, Jesus is just describing that, um, you know, staying in unbelief is going to, is going to mean staying stuck. And, uh whereas salvation, the way of salvation happens as we, as we really press in and, and choose to believe. And then verse 17, these signs will accompany those who have believed and who keep believing, um, the Greek tense, you know, includes the present and the future. And so, uh, these signs will accompany those who have believed and keep believing. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So there's uh, belief is, is really emphasized. So here Jesus is putting on blast that whole generation. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? You know, Jesus has been moving through the Galilee and he's been He's he's been healing all the people that come to him with all of their sick and their lame and their, um, demonized. And, you know, there've been so many signs of the kingdom of God and, and, and the disciples have been witnessing all of this. And, and Jesus knows that his time is short. You know, things are getting tense already. You know, the Pharisees are grumbling and the scribes and the teachers of Allah, everybody's, um, kind of, Around Jesus and there's a lot of antagonism, a lot of open hostility. And Jesus he spent only three years in active ministry training up these disciples. And so he's thinking, wow, he's looking at his watch and his calendar and just thinking, you know, how long is it gonna take? I mean, you guys should already be sort of doing the works that I'm doing, because that's what I came to do. I you're my disciples, and so come on. And you know, we see early in Mark that um, Jesus deputizes his disciples right away. You know, we see it in Mark chapter 3, verse uh, 13, you know, where he he calls his disciples and he appoints the 12. And in verse uh, 14, it says, so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. So there you go. Jesus has sent them out to cast out demons really early in his ministry. And now we're in chapter nine and, and, you know, and, and even right between chapter three and chapter nine and chapter six, Jesus sends out the 12 and he sends them out on mission and check it out. Verse seven. And he summoned the 12 and he began to send them out in Paris and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And uh, so he sent them out on mission and, um and he called them out to, to tell to preach that people should repent and then verse 13 and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them and you know we we also just prior to this we have the the Gerasene demoniac story you know where Jesus uh deals with a guy who's tormented who's living in the in the tombs you know he takes the disciples on a mission across the sea to the other side and has this encounter where all these uh legion of demons are cast into, into this herd of pigs that, uh, you know, that go rushing down into the water and are destroyed. And the man is, uh, found seated and clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus sends him out as, um, an apostle. And so Jesus is thinking, wow, you know, um, I was able to get, get so far with this Gerasene demoniac guy, who's now an apostle to the 10 cities. And what's up with you guys, disciples? And, you know, what's up with us? You know, why are we flailing around and struggling so much? And, you know, why am I not seeing breakthrough in some of the really hard cases? And so let's check out, um, you know, what Jesus says. I love it that he says, bring him to me, you know, and, and that's an invitation for us to, to come directly to Jesus with, you know, with our hardest situations that we're facing and personally and for us to bring people that we love directly to Jesus. And, um, and that's what prayer is really is coming to Jesus. You know, we bring them not physically, but we bring people spiritually, right? We bring them to, uh, by faith to Jesus. And so let's see what happens. So they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. So um, in the Greek, it's hard to, t- to know who sees who. When he saw him, was it when the boy saw Jesus or was it, was it when Jesus saw the boy? Whatever the case may be, the encounter between this boy who's demonized and Jesus leads to a manifestation. Um, the spirit throws the boy into a convulsion and falling to the ground. He began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. So do things get better or worse when um, the man, the father, brings his son to Jesus? Obviously, here we see that they get worse, don't they? And if I was a disciple looking on, and if I was one of those of the unbelieving generation, um, and just being myself now, in some ways this encourages me, because I, I think, well, wow, even Jesus is now face-to-face with the hard situation that uh, that I'm facing, that you're facing, that they were facing, and things aren't re- immediately getting better. They're getting worse. So what happens? Let's check it out in verse 21. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. So interestingly, Jesus, um, he seems so chill in the face of this boy who's just flailing around and He's he's modeling something, though, to us, isn't he? You know, he's modeling, um, you know, sort of being at peace and and really engaging with the father who, in this case, is like the intercessor and and questioning the father. And here we have an example of prayer in this in the sense that prayer is two way communication. Right. The father brings the son to Jesus. the Jesus um, asks the father um, a question. Right. And and so there's dialogue. How long has this been happening to him? And we need, we can learn from this. We, we, we really need to be thinking about the origins of people's afflictions and trying to understand what, you know, when they, when they began, you know, when did this problem start? You know, was there a trauma? Was there um, abuse? Was there an accident? Um, you know, what is, uh, is it recent? Is it, is it chronic? And so what we learn from the father is that it's chronic. It's from childhood. And then verse 22 gives, he gives us even more precision. It is often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So here we see that, um, what, from what the father says, this doesn't look like an, like epilepsy, you know, some people think, okay, well, demonic manifestations, were they really demons or was there just not the language that we have today of, you know, of uh, psychiatry and psychology and, and, you know, medicine. That would give us, uh, you know, like a, a prognosis or whatever or a diagnosis here, you know, um, but here we see that, that, that this spirit is, is actually a, a death dealing spirit that's trying to destroy this boy, throwing him into the fire, throwing him into the water. So probably not epilepsy. And so then we have the father, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So at this point, the man, um, after, Describing just what his son has gone through all these years and what the father has gone through cries out, you know, Lord, help us, not just help him. Um, and any of us who know just, uh, the pain of, of, of just loving someone who's really struggling, you know, we, we, we know we can relate to this. You know, we, we need the healing for ourselves as well as for the ones we love. And our faith is really, is really in a perilous situation oftentimes, isn't it? And um, and so this man cries out using two words that are in the Greek version um, of the Old Testament. These are some of the primary words that we have in the Psalms that are, that are prayers. You know, um, have mercy. I mean, have compassion on us and help us. Have compassion on us and help us. And these are probably the simplest and most common and like prayers that, that we have in scripture. And Jesus said to him, if you can. And, um, and in other words, I, I, I imagine Jesus sort of pointing to himself and saying, if I can. And then um, I can imagine him pointing to the man and saying, all things are possible to the one who believes. So Jesus seems to be taking attention, uh, taking the attention off of himself I mean, at the same time, he's, he's saying, well, if, if, if you can, well, what do you mean? Do you not believe? But at the same time, it seems like he's saying, look, you who are, uh, all things are possible for you, all things are, but he doesn't say you, he doesn't put any kind of pressure and blame on the man, but it's more invitational, isn't it? All things are possible to the one who believes. And um, might you want to be one of these who are, are the one who believes? You know, do you want to be counted among those who are uh, the ones who believe? I, I certainly do, and and this man also responds that way. Immediately, the boy's father cried out, and this is another um, verb for prayer. And you know, just crying out is 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 the desperate cry to God. I do believe, so he affirms the belief that is stirred up in him. Uh, by Jesus' words, all things are possible to the one who believes. And, and he, he confesses his belief, but then um, asks for help, help my unbelief. And once again, the term help is, that's just straight out the language of prayer. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him. And do not enter him again. So here we see Jesus, uh, directly addressing in the second person imperative of this spirit. But now he's added a word to it. We, we didn't know about deafness here, right? We just knew that this spirit kept him from being able to speak. But Jesus adds an, an additional diagnosis here. He says, you deaf and mute spirit. He names it. And then he addresses a direct imperative to that spirit. You know, we never see Jesus saying, Father, if it's your will, may this spirit go. Or, um, rather we see, you know, just orders like this authority of Jesus. And this is, this is, uh, critical for us to, to you know, to understand and to be able to practice this. And when Jesus uh, commands his, sends his disciples out to heal the sick, he says, heal the sick, cast out demons. He's calling, you know, us to act, act. Exercise that same sort of authority in his name. I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. So like precise instructions, come out, get out, don't come back. And so let's see what happens. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. Wow. So interestingly, um, things get worse still. Don't they? So Jesus, after using his authority and addressing this demon in response to this man's intercession, actually leave the situations worse. The child looks like he's actually dead. And, um, I think this is, is super important for us to realize that when things get worse, that can often be a sign that they're, that they're moving in the direction of getting better. Although we don't see that yet. But imagine if you were in the place of Jesus or you were in the place of the father, how would you be feeling at this moment? And have you had experiences like this where things have come right to the point of just being worse than ever? Um, and what would you do if the boy was dead before you? Would you just, uh, you know, call 911? Uh, maybe you need to. And uh, but in addition to that, um, would you do what Jesus did? It's verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and he got up. Wow. And so here we see this radical faith. All things are possible to the one who believes. Jesus models uh, the one who believes. He is the ultimate believer, but he's also modeling something. He's saying, how long do I have to be with you? You know, um, he wants us to learn from his model modeling and from his um you know his authority that he exercises here, and so um, you know I just pray that that we would be able to have the faith to go the full distance in in praying for people that Jesus does. So let's see what happens next. Verse twenty-eight, and when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? Wow, I, I I'm really curious now what Jesus is going to say because. I have this problem. You know, I, I, I want to know why we don't see the breakthrough with so many people that we deal with, with really severe mental health disorders and um, just reoccurrent um, symptoms despite our prayers or, you know, people who are just uh, dealing with deep traumas and uh, anxiety. And we pray and we pray and, you know, we don't see people get the relief that they long for. And sometimes people just give up and they don't want us to pray anymore. You know, um, and we we just uh, why can't we why can't we see breakthrough Jesus and listen to what Jesus says? He said to them, "This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer." Okay, so um, it's all about, about us praying. Interestingly, in this story, Jesus is no one is never praying. We never see him praying to to, to the Father. We never see him even addressing the father who's praying in this story. Well, in this case, um, I think the man, the father is the ultimate prayer person here. He's the, he's modeling intercession. He, first of all, he brings his son to the disciples. And then, um, when they can't cast it out, he doesn't give up. He brings his son to Jesus and, and that's prayer and. You know, and he, and he recounts to Jesus the inability of the disciples to, to help his son. And then he enters into this conversation with Jesus, right? Jesus asks him, how long has this been happening? And so he's listening to Jesus and and then responding from childhood and giving him the details and, and then crying out, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus speaks back to him. If you can, all things are possible to the one who believes. So the man is hearing a, a call forward to, to actually be one, the one who believes and responds in prayer because, you know, speaking to Jesus, that's prayer, right? So this, this man is modeling, um, a conversational, dialogical engagement with Jesus uh, uh, regarding his son. And he says, I do believe help my unbelief. So he cries out again for help. And then Jesus responds. And, you know, I and the disciples actually, when they began questioning him privately, they're, they're praying here for the first time in this story. So they're, maybe they're inspired by the father without even knowing it. And, um, are you inspired, you know, by the father? Are you inspired by this story? I encourage you to You know, to really see the story as, as, as something that would empower you further and inspire you to not give up, but to, you know, to really go uh, further and deeper in your prayer to Jesus directly about situations that where you need breakthrough personally and where you need breakthrough in, in your prayer ministry and to, to, you know, to be confident that, um, as you step in faith, you know, believing that Jesus is alive and, and that he's, and he hears your prayers and he hears your cries and, and he's mighty to save. Um, and also that he speaks and he, he'll give you instructions. He'll give us instructions about what to do next. That in, um, in that prayer, uh, perse- perseverance in prayer and in belief, we're going to see more breakthroughs. And, um, and may God strengthen you and help you to, um, you know, to really grow in your faith and to choose uh, to believe rather than to disbelieve and to press in in your prayer life. So, God, we just ask for your help. And we ask that you would have mercy upon us, have compassion on us and help us. And we confess our unbelief. You know, uh, we confess our belief. We say we believe. I believe. Help my unbelief.